Todd and Rob in the afternoon. That scene. Oh. With Todd and Rob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we are back with the new media show, and I'm, I'm happy to have Todd back with us. Yeah, you didn't get the okay. t- you didn't give my streams enough time to get up and running, Rob. We're <laughs> my streams are just going live now. So uh, hey, anyway, hey, here we are. Oh. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll always do some editing. I can always do some editing after this. Talk. Yeah, it'll it'll, it'll so, all work out. So uh, hey, uh, here we are. We're back, or at least I'm back. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've been been trying to keep the show flowing here and it's great to have everybody back with me this is kind of an unusual time for us at 8 p.m eastern uh and you're in a completely different time zone so yeah. it's probably a completely different um, day for you or something <laughs> who knows yeah so <laughs> but, it's but anyway um yeah so let's let's go ahead and jump in here is there anything that's been bubbling that have that you've noticed in the space. I know I do have a couple of topics that I raised on our artwork and things like that that we can kind of talk about. But you know, just well, do our normal show. You know, obviously, last week you guys uh, talked with, uh, um, you know, with uh, on the show last week about the uh, you know the Rogan thing and the public yeah, RSS Mark, feed. Right. You know, and I and I'm sure you you know went all over the whole strategy, but maybe. Uh, to me, it's a win. Spotify's woke up that uh, open is important. So um, open RSS, although their RSS feed, as you indicated before we started the show, is totally jacked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the big thing that I took away from it was is that I, I guess, and James Cridlin has pointed this out in the newsletter, is that the the open RSS feed that's now available through um, Spotify for podcasters rather than megaphone, which I thought was really, really interesting on that front. But, uh, his feed has 2,258 episodes. in it. I don't think, uh, Apple podcast is going to display that many. I don't know what you uh, think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think their limit is because remember they changed, like- they changed the upward limit. I can't remember what the number was. I thought it was like a thousand was the max. Yeah. Like I, I, they might be okay. Of course, I, you know, it's kind of dumb to have that many, right. that many episodes in a single feed, just on the pure load time. It's going to take to load that feed. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's. Spotify's not, not concerned about the bandwidth, I guess, but he has to, you know, I think you have to be considerate of the, of the um, apps that are trying to render that. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> now, if the apps are smart and, you know, it, they are only going to just kind of reach, they're going to read the header and a little bit of the, of the file. They won't have to parse the whole thing if they're being smart in the way they parse feeds. But, you know, it really, yeah. ultimately that's still a lot of episodes in the feed. I, I wonder though, why they chose to go with Spotify for podcasters rather than megaphone, which is more of a enterprise platform. Uh, um, I would suspect because he's is it doing for PR reasons. You think? Uh, I think it's because he's doing video. So oh, he, that's a good point. so right. he probably that's has to be on there because of that. video. I would assume. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that's the platform that you upload your videos through, too. Right? Yeah. So, you know, obviously they're integrated. So from an ad delivery standpoint, it probably doesn't matter yeah. which, you know, which publishing platform he's publishing on. But, um, you know, and, and their announcement of them canceling their internal recorder in lieu of Riverside mm-hmm. was kind of news, too. And kind of oh, as well as also the, the, their editor, too, I saw. So yeah. you're not really going to be able to edit in their platform. And that, that was a big, that, that was Riverside a, tools. That was a big attraction before, uh, for a lot of Spotify creators was, well, you know, not Spotify, but, um, anchor before. So my perspective on that is now that, you know, some, some podcasters that are going over there will, will likely not find that platform as appealing because they don't have onboard recording. But who knows? I might be wrong. Or maybe they just found out that no one was using it. Yeah, does that mean that they removed the ability in the, the app to actually record directly in the app to that's, their platform, I wonder? That's what I assume because you could do multi-person recording before within the app. So Right. Uh, and again, speculation. Yeah, all I on my saw part. was the editing aspect of it being being pulled out. But I guess you probably don't want to have a recording platform um, without editing capability in there. Yeah, it kind of like one one goes with the other. You know, that's one thing that we yeah we've talked about before. If we're going to build a recording platform, then we're going to need an editing platform too. So, right, yes. and then. The other thing that was pointed out is that the artwork um, is 1.4 megabytes in size for <laughs> the Joe Rogan um, cover art, you know, for the podcast. And and Apple has a, a limit um, of 500K. Right. So, right. Well, what it sounds like to me is uh, amateur hour over there. They don't know what they're doing, which is not surprising yeah. because they... Well, they've been off of the these podcast platforms for a long time. But well, the rest of their customers think there'd be some institutional knowledge, right? Well, you know, the rest of their customers are supposedly on all these other platforms, and if they don't know the basic guidelines, yeah, yeah, it's it it is what it's it is. But right, you know, I don't know. I will see over the next week if they've read Pod News and if they update their stuff to make sure everything is. Is, is compatible. You also saw that the Omni Studios folks uh, published their annual download benchmarking data, and it showed that their numbers are in decline a little bit after the iOS 17 update. No. So there's another one that's facing a little bit of a hit on the on the metric side. Well, that's you know, not, I'm not surprised. You know, not surprised at all. We've, you know, we've hashed this out. We've talked about this already. It's what happens when you, when you underqualify a download. Yeah. And the other story I wanted to cover a little bit that came out here this past week was the New York Times has suffered from a loss of revenue um, based on brand safety um, platforms. Um, and that, raises some interesting questions about where we are with brand safety platforms um, that are 
primarily looking at keywords, right? So there, the New York Times was getting hit um, with some demonetization type things, or they, they were losing campaigns because they were using um, words, I guess, that were triggering um, these algorithms and basically trying to cover some of the hard news around topics like the Middle Eastern conflict. Um, and it does kind of point out the challenges of these brand safety and brand suitability platforms. And, and Mark Askwith and I did talk about that uh, a little bit in last week's episode as well. And I kind of wanted to get your your two cents on this too, Todd, of, of you know, these brand safety suitability platforms really kind of market and promote themselves as being very, very smart, algorithmic, AI-driven platforms. But what I keep increasingly hearing is that they're very keyword sensitive, which tells me that they're not as contextually um, aware as they need to be to keep from having a, you know, just like, you know, basically to be blocked from monetization if a podcast uses a certain kind of word to describe a weapon um, in the context of a new story um, seems to be missing context, right? Well, it sounds to me like they've, you know, they need to, they need to stand up to these, these brand safety platforms and say, why are you doing this? And they've got enough clout in the space. They should, they should just raise cane. Um, But again, maybe the advertisers have said, Hey, we don't want to be, um, we don't want to be, have any content that's running along any Middle Eastern content and, you know, the Gaza or whatever. We don't want ads running. So maybe that's been a decision by the potential advertisers that they want to stay away from that content. So maybe their brand safety folks have, uh, you know, applied the, uh, the rule accordingly. Um, yeah, I just wonder, you know, and I've heard other podcasters, you know, and I think we've mentioned it probably last week to some degree, but there has been some big podcasters that have been feeling the pressure from these brand safety platforms that they have to adjust their content, um, and what they're, what they talk about, especially comedians, right. Um, that are increasingly feeling like if, well, if they want to have a successful ad campaign, they have to, um, you know, with certain advertisers that they can't go into certain topic areas, right? Yeah. Else they'll get demonetized from it. Uh, and I think this is kind of a, a little bit of a dangerous trend because I don't believe that there's a lot of solid data around um, brands really kind of like losing revenue opportunities when they're around content that maybe is controversial. Um, and I think this gets back to more of a more of an agenda around ideology than it is around well, business. Well, again, and that's I, what's really, really driving it. Well, again, I think it's all about the advertisers. The advertisers have said, we do not want to be in this type of content that's using these types of words or, or topics. Right. And so because the podcasters have agreed to be on these platforms that Look at their shows. Well, some have, and some, for for the longest period of time, Todd, a lot of these podcasters, big shows, didn't even realize that the advertisers were evaluating them. 
based on these platforms. Well, then that that is I that think is now it's a little bit more above board now, um, because these platforms have been working more with podcast networks and platforms um, that are selling advertising on a larger scale. Well, that's um, that's the podcaster's fault for not being informed. You know, that's you know, if you if you're in the ad business, well, if it was getting kept from them, Todd. Oh, that's true. That too. was the other part of this that was going on in the early days of these brand safety platforms is that I heard directly from some that, cause I asked them, I, I said, so do all the podcasters that you evaluate know that they're being evaluated? And the answer I oftentimes got was uh, probably not. So, you know, these things are increasingly being brought to the podcasters attention. Um, and I think that's why we saw like, Conan O'Brien kind of do a whole episode on this and talk about it. Actually, if you want to do a search for Conan O'Brien, Conan O'Brien and brand safety um, in YouTube, you can see what I'm talking about. Um, he got in there and was talking about, well, I can't, I can't do certain jokes anymore uh, if I wanted my show to be sponsored. So it's causing him to change his content. And that's what my biggest worry has been all along is that this creates an environment of podcasters self-censorship. Again, I have, I guess I'm at this point in the game, as long as this has been around and talked about, I guess I have no self-pity on this, you know? And and again, um, you know, you've made the physical, you've made the choice and if you want revenue from advertising, then you have to play the game. And if that means changing your content, then you have to change your content to play the game to keep your revenue up. Or you want to stay true and you want to use your real voice and you want to, um, you know, throw a double middle finger up at the, at, the, at the man, at the advertisers, then you do content as you want to do and you suffer the decline in advertising dollars. Um, or yeah. you complain and you raise cane and you say, this is wrong. I, I don't think the advertisers care. I think the advertisers are basically taking a very uh, conservative approach and being careful on the type of content they're advertising in. And it's just, yeah, it's a sign no, of the I times. Get their, their goals. Right. I get their goals, but there's not a lot of data that maps to oh, I, them being in podcasts that are controversial and their ROI going down. I think it's just rea- I think it's just a knee jerk reaction. And remember, one thing we have to think well, it's about: ideology. Yeah, it's 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 if these topics are talking about areas that their brands right, don't right, want right, to be right. associated with for ide- ideological reasons then that's what's causing this to happen. Yeah. Now, granted, that's not happening in every instance here. These brand safety platforms are are finding, you know, legitimate hate speech and they, they don't want to be associated with that kind of stuff. But if it's stuff that is... I, I think you know, most... That, 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 that definition of hate speech keeps getting wider and wider. I, I think um, the majority of shows things. that are running advertising that they're advertising in the uh, New York times, they don't have to worry about having hate speech in the New York times content. So, you know, they've, they've chosen. Yeah, but those are the ones that have publicly complained about right. loss of, of revenue is the New York times. That, yeah. That's what was in the news. So, so, yeah. and again, it was nothing to do with hate speech. It was just reporting on the news 
And yeah, it's like talking about, you know, war and talking about conflict and talking about the use of weapons and things like that was getting them de demonetized. And I don't think that's what the intent of all this is, right? Yeah. Is I, to, again, if an right. advertiser's picked a topic that they don't want to be associated with, then, you know, the podcaster or the content creator suffers the consequences of that. Yeah, and then I also saw in the news this week, too, that uh, Spotify for Megaphone is looking for more inventory uh, for political advertising this year. Yeah, um, we, we are, so, too. Yeah, they aim to take advantage of a of a predicted election spend across all media of over $15 billion. And podcasters who um, block political categories won't get the incremental revenue it's, is, is what the story came out. So I'm not yeah. quite sure why um, podcasters would block political categories. I guess it would be in categorization in Apple. Is well, that what they're talking about here? What we're doing is basically our, our, our programmatic provider, uh, our mm -hmm. partner Soundstack, I said, hey, we yeah. have we have political inventory. And so what our approach is, is we are breaking out shows left, right, and center, and basically going to approach those shows and say, hey, um, you know, do you want political advertising? And if you do, do you prefer left, right, or center? And um, that's going to be our approach to it. So I would assume a left-leaning show would want left-leaning advertisers, political advertisers, which is kind of dumb because, to be yeah, honest with you, 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 you know, you're right. you're preaching to the choir there. So, um, right, and and I'm not sure that, and this probably some research that needs to be done in the industry from some of the key research players is to actually look at uh, brands that advertise on con controversial topics that maybe you know, like a, a, a left leaning brand that advertises on a, on a right leaning podcast, is there a decline in revenue? And if there isn't a, a decline in revenue or ROI, then what is the real reason for well, blocking that ad? Again, most political, there? yeah, most political right. stuff is definitely awareness. And, but I think just like television and radio and everything else that runs political ads, I think podcast listeners may react and say, I'm sick of hearing these ads already. You know, it's all, it's only February and I'm starting to hear political ads and, you know, please, uh, yeah. you know, please hit me in the head with a hammer because I'm going to hear this all the way yeah. through the election in November. Though to be kind of bipartisan about this topic is, is that I think that there are certain brands out there that are associated with a certain political side of the, oh, yeah. of the fence of sorts. Right. That if they are heard advertising um, on the on media that would be considered to be on the right, maybe there is a chance that they wouldn't have as much patronage because they're seen as supporting the enemy of sorts. Um, or would a so, or would a um, show that's running back to back advertising like to hear a ad for product X and then ha have an ad immediately follow from politician Y? And if, you know, is there going to be on the East? opposite yeah. side of the fence, yeah. right? And, and, yeah. may, and maybe it's just a brand, you know, maybe it's a, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to even use an example. One in my brain comes to yeah. mind real quick. It's a, <laughs> a ice cream folks, right. you know, they, they have a certain 
political persuasion. They're pretty vocal about it. Um, yeah. So, you know, would they want a, a conservative ad to run, you know, next to their ice cream ad? So, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, and um, it does kind of speak to how far we've come on that, um, that, that ideology is really <laughs> causing this massive divide, even from a business perspective. There's this concept of parallel economies. So you have certain conservative shows that are only running ads from companies yeah. that, are, that are vocal about their political yeah. orientation to the market and yeah. on both sides of the fence, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really difficult, I would think, for the ad sales folks to, to really manage this because they obviously want to sell as many oh, campaigns across there, shows a, as they can. Right? There's a pile of money. You know, this is a cash cow for radio. You know, this is when radio right. and television, they, they make the majority of their, like, this is a four-year swing that they just, they salivate about because of all the millions and literally billions of dollars being spent in, in political advertising. They, you know, this only, this, this cash cow comes around once every four years and they want every single penny of that. So, um, you know, it, 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 and of course the political people want to, you know, get their message out. So, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I, I just wonder though, based upon what's happening in the country, um, if it really even matters, I, you know, maybe it matters for local, um, when it comes to local ads, I don't think there's very many people that are undecided even today, um, who they're going to vote for in the, you know, in, in the main election for president. But I think where it's important maybe is at that local level that uh, councilman or you know whatever it is in your and that's where we need to you know if you want to make a change we we can't change what happens in our in on the national level very much but you know, except for going in there and hitting our ballot box but if you really want change and pay attention to who you're voting for locally i know even myself mm-hmm. the, the last election when i went in there was uh, in michigan we vote for judges and mm-hmm. i was like uh, I don't know. <laughs> and I hadn't educated myself. So I didn't vote for anybody because I just didn't know, you know, you know, which way these judges were, or how they, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, politics does still apply in, um, when yeah. it comes to judges. So I just, I didn't vote for any judge because I had nary a clue. So I think all of us have to be educated locally. And maybe that's where these ads would inform uh, a potential voter, I think hyper local would be important because uh, I might be interested in hearing one of those ads in someone's you know position. Yes, yeah, I think I think I heard that this coming year there's going to be more elections in the world than has ever happened. Yeah, it's, I think it's just a. Cycle. It's interesting the yeah. alignment of it of all those things happening at the same time and all sorts of different countries around the world, not yeah. just the U S that means by November, we're all just going to be so sick and tired of hearing political ads. That... <laughs> well, and what side of the political fence are, 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 are we all going to get pulled into, um, having to cope with, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's not going to the left. Is it the right? That's going <laughs> to take power in the U S but you know, as we've seen in Congress and the Senate, just in the last 48 hours is that it's, it's hard to really predict how well, that's going to turn Who knows out, what's going to happen. 
Right, exactly. I, I, my, my my genesis is fire them all. That's that's my genesis. You know, that's well. I think that is the consensus <laughs> on the on, on on the right. I'm not sure that that's consensus on the left. Yeah. The, I think all the a lot of folks on the left are happy with what thing you know what's going on. Right. Yeah, well, um, like, on the right, everybody's objecting. <laughs> well, you know, it's someone asked me a question the other day about politics in America, and I said, "Well, that's kind of a hot topic. I really don't want to talk about it." And, right, yeah. and, you know, and it was one of these things where, you know, my position is, is, you know, people that run for election, uh, they, 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 in, in their mind, you know, they, they run on this holistic idea that they're going to make change. And then as soon as they show up, there's this thumb that comes out and it's pushed on them. They said, you will comply, you know, and, you know, all this holistic <laughs> ideas of change completely goes off the window because of money and sonority. And so that's why, that's why my thought processes fire them all and get completely fresh ideas, but right, top right. to bottom. Well, it's, <laughs> it's time to maybe have a refresh, right? Not yeah. a reset, but a refresh. Yeah. Well, good, but, um, good luck with that. <laughs> I did notice that in the, in the latest chair of ear study from the Edison research, it's coming up showing that um, it, it's a radio is still doing more than three times that of uh, podcasts, I guess the average person in the U.S. spends 11% of their daily audio time listening to podcasts. So I guess that assumes that 33% of the time it's spent listening to radio. Well, so, I, th I think little by little. You think about it. Yeah, I'd say that those the 33%, even if it's that, is a bit dramatically lower than it used to be. But... <laughs> You know, I also saw some article that, and I didn't read it, they came across my radar, I think yesterday, where some radio guy said that the radio business was no longer viable. Um, something to the effect, and it was some big conglomerate that said, hey, this, you know, this isn't working anymore from a, from a dollar and cent standpoint. So, you know, they're under great pressure to earn money. Um, and, and maybe at some point the, you know, those local car dealer ads that you that you hear on radio will, will at some point migrate to digital, including podcasting. So, but you know, that's where the majority of money's being spent. But far as ears goes, I, you know, I think <laughs> as soon as someone buys a brand new car, you know, my car doesn't default to radio. Matter of fact, I have a hard time if I want to listen to the radio. Um, I have a hard time getting to that menu item because it's you know Apple CarPlay pops up. <laughs> yeah, and my podcast icon's right there, and bada bing, bada boom. You know, I can listen it's to easier. stuff on on Fountain yeah. right in the car. Yeah, I have the 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 Apple Podcast app in my Tesla, so. It I can access my account right there on the screen. So it's actually, and it's just podcasts. I don't have to have any radio in there if I don't want to. Right. So it's just a matter of um, just popping up the app, just like on my iPhone or my computer. Um, but I thought it was interesting um, too, that, um, that as we look forward though, on the, on the radio side, there is kind of, I think, a little bit of a desire to tap into the podcast market on the radio. I matter of fact, just this past week, I started doing uh, kind of segment promos for uh, 
uh, a Beasley initiative um, that's playing like 15 minute clips from podcasts on their radio, hmm. like in a playlist type of a format. And I'm doing the intros and the, and the exits on each of those segments in four hour blocks on, I think like uh, six or seven different radio stations in the U S so <laughs> hey did forget to mention we are lit and live on the yep. video side for podcasting okay. 2.0 i i uh, i pulled i have the video hls stream going up but not the audio today so we are up on the video stream lit and live that's interesting okay yeah i didn't know that uh yeah so how are we streaming on the video side through the lit platform. What's well, the... right now what we're doing is we, you're feeding my restream with the stream. Right. The restream okay. is sending a stream over to Wowza and Wowza is running an HLS stream. That, oh, they are. Okay. Yeah. They're running an HLS stream that is basically configured to be able to be viewed in the modern podcast apps at podcastapps.com. Oh. To okay. yeah, to be able to be live with okay. video. Yeah, for some reason I had this idea that that only worked with the audio side. So no, it's it good to hear that it's yeah, also, it's also on the video side too. Yeah, audio and video. But you know, it's kind of a uh, it's a bit of a hack because Restream doesn't support HLS. So I had to maintain the Wowza account to be able to to actually do it to do the HLS. Yeah. So got it. Well, hey, the I wanted to mention too that the the podcast Hall of Fame um, full video uh, from the it's been oh. kind of finished and remade is now live on YouTube. So I'll I'll pull it up. So on how the how did it come out? I think it turned out really well. So I wanted to play r really quick a a segment from it um, with Doctor Drew doing doing the introduction of Adam Carolla. All right. And, so and the comedy that uh, happened we, thus forth. Yeah. Well, the Adam Carolla video is in here as oh. well as his little call to Adam Carolla as well. We were able to keep it all together. Oh, okay. So here it is. Gee. Right. Here we are. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for letting me back in front of you again. Uh, again, my gratitude for this evening and for the inductees. So I was just thinking that um, I'm here to present Adam Carolla with his, with his induction uh, to the Hall of Fame. And I, I thought at no point did he say, uh, hey, would you accept it on my behalf? No, no, I'll, I'll send a video. Thanks, Adam. So I, I was thinking about um, what I wanted to say, and, I, and I'm going to keep my comments very short because he didn't feel sufficiently invested to uh, help us out here this evening. We'll see how dig. short his video is. I can't wait to see that. Uh, but but he, I talked a little this morning, if you were at that event, about his and my, how we got together and how that happened and the serendipity of all that. And we talked a little bit about the sort of the chemistry or the magic of uh, partnerships when you find the right partnership. It, things just kind of work. Uh, other people notice that they will let you know. And uh, 
And he and I got together in podcasting. It was really, I guess, him that pulled me into podcasting. We done, done Love Line, of course, and then he wrapped that up and went to, um, he essentially replaced Howard Stern in the morning uh, on a syndicated radio show that eventually went away. And he took his little team and just decided he was going to do a podcast and uh, started doing podcasting and uh, was very quickly the most popular. He was sort of before Rogan, before everybody, the most popular podcast on earth is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most popular podcast. Uh, and I started thinking, well, what, what, are the, what would he say is the model for a podcasting host? What, what kinds of features would he include in this? And uh, so I've just made a little list. I was sitting thinking about this. And uh, funny, you want to be funny. And we just have seen some great examples of people, great communicators are enter entertaining. He would say, you need to have low self-esteem uh, <laughs> because uh, he and I have shared that heritage together. Uh, it, it, is, it, it helps you check yourself a little bit. Uh, you always blame yourself for anything that's going wrong. And you, rather than wondering how things could have happened, you immediately blame yourself. Uh, in his case, he would say, number three, you'd have to have an impoverished childhood, not necessarily a traumatic childhood, just impoverishment, which is uh, something he gets a lot of mileage out of. I don't know if you ever heard him talk about his grandmother and his mother. Uh, you need curiosity. He would say that. And you would need to be somewhat fearless, not, not heedless, not heedless, but somewhat fearless in expressing yourself and being honest and moving forward. And the final thing he would put on his, li his list would be something he has pointed out to me multiple times, which is uh, when someone asked him, one of the staff there said, Adam, you think you have a crystal ball. That's why you, you're so confident. He goes, no, I have a crystal brain. So he would say you need a crystal brain as you approach your podcasting career. So with those things in mind, I'd, my honor to be here tonight presenting the award to Adam Carolla, who comes to us virtually. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <clears throat> I hope he sent the video. Yeah, it eventually reports. Susan, yeah. call Adam. Adam Carolla's video could not be with us this evening. Would you kindly no accept way. on his behalf? <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, we got it. We got it. Okay. All right. Good. I was going to put him on the phone if that was the case. In fact, I should do that anyway. Mm. I'm, I'm going to call him. <laughs> give these guys a chance to cue things up. He has a, he has, I know he's performing in Colorado stand up and it's pro, yeah, buddy. Can you do one quick thing? Your video didn't quite show up. Can you can just thank the crowd for the award, please? Ready? Well, they're working on it, but it's not here. I'm in front of the crowd. So we just need, they just need to hear your voice and say thank you for the award. Okay, ready? Here we go. All right. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. Hello? Oh, thank you, crowd. Uh, thank you for this uh, honor. I mean, uh, All right. That made him happy. <laughs>
Yeah, he's walking on stage in Mesa, Colorado. But he he would. Oh wait, here you go again. Face to tell him, tell him. Go ahead. I'm 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 honored, and if I wasn't about to walk out on stage in Mesa, Colorado, I would walk out on stage wherever the fuck you people are. <laughs> and thank you for the award. Hello. And thank you for the award, right? <laughs> oh yeah, and thank you for the award. Okay, all right. Thank you. Adam. See ya. Have a good show. Do we have any video? <laughs> no video. That's incredible. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> there we go. Wow. A Hall of Fame. Little old me from North Hollywood, California, and a Hall of Fame. Jesus Christ. And when I was a kid, I probably dreamt of the NFL Hall of Fame. Never even knew what a podcast was because it wasn't invented for another 37 years. But I am tickled pink. I've never been in any situation where I ever would have imagined that I could be in a Hall of Fame. And I just want to say this as a cautionary tale, Podcast Hall of Fame, let's keep it real. Don't end up like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Grand Funk Railroad is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but Kate Bush is. (laughs) Do not ruin your brand. Keep it to the people who are keeping it real. That's right. I'm pointing at Ma. It's Mexican for me. I never thought about it. And and it's great. And it's probably the best day of my life. It's only tarnished by the fact that Dr. Drew is the master of ceremony. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Look, I don't get enough of that guy. <laughs> but I will tell you this. Um, many years ago, probably 1992, I was doing comedy with the Acme Comedy Theater. I was doing sketch. I was doing improv. And I'd been there for about four or five years. And I said to the theater director, I said, what do you see me doing? Because I don't know where I belong. I'm not really a stand-up. I'm not really an actor. Um, what do you see? I'm not really a writer. What, what do you see me doing? You see me as a writer? You see me as a performer? He said, you need a job where you just sit and talk every single day and it doesn't matter the language you use or the words you choose and you speak your mind every single day and you just bloviate into a microphone that's the job you need and i said thanks but that job doesn't exist and i realized all these years later he was talking about podcasting now he didn't know it and i didn't know it but he was saying you were put on this planet to do this thing that doesn't exist yet. And we were both speaking about podcasting, even though I didn't hear the term for at least another decade after that. God, back in the day, I used to go to Bill Simmons' garage and he didn't even have a second second microphone. And this would be like 2005. And I used to have to call into a show with a phone and stand in the driveway while the gardener was blowing leaves on me because he couldn't afford a second microphone. Well, we've come a long way. So this has been my longest running job, longer than Carpenter, longer than Morning Show host, longer than The Man Show, longer than Love Line, longer than gay porn. Passed that about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and the fact that you would even consider me 
to be in the Podcast Hall of Fame, well, I'm tickled pink. So thank you very much. And this award will be cherished, but I hope it's a real award, not some shitty plaque. Thank you. What he would have said was, thank you for recognizing my genius. I know that's what he thinks anyway. So <laughs> anyway, I'm sure he would humbly accepted it. He is, uh, he loves podcasting. He loves this organization. It's uh, the, <laughs> the fact that he picked up the phone was awesome. Uh, and, and trust me, this will not have uh, gone in vain. He, he really loves this, 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 this medium community. He was a, he was a pioneer in this area and, uh, I'm sure he appreciates being acknowledged. So I will accept it on his behalf. But we are bringing this to a close. And of course, I'm grateful to have been here as your master of ceremonies. It's been an honor. And uh, congratulations again to well, all the inductees. Stories, voices that have shaped this. You, you know, yeah, it was interesting, huh? You know, here, here's the deal. The, there is... Um, and that, that should be rinse, wash, repeat for about a, for about a decade. Uh, to, yeah. to, rem, to have people remember... You know, he, he he it's about as real as he got there. To say whatever the beep, 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 beep you want and not be censored. And, you know, yeah. that that is, you know, they get a little chicken skin there. Um, because... Yeah, that's why I thought it was so important to play it because it's, it's just an example of what happened during the Hall of Fame. And a lot of the inductees got up and just gave really, really impassionate speeches yeah. about the medium and their history with it and what it meant to them and, and all those kinds of things, which really cuts to the heart of what this medium has and continues to be really, I think all about. And, and I think it's really easy for, you know, the larger companies and big money to kind of gloss over that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think between Dr. Drew and Adam and the other inductees, I think this is a very important, um, video for i think as many people as possible in the podcasting space to watch because i think it what it does is it shows the culture the history and what this medium really stands for and what we should hold on to you know and we're talking beginning of the show about this stupid stuff about brand safety and it, it, you yeah. think about adam in the early days of the adam corolla show and even today um yeah. <laughs> you know he says he says what he wants to say, and mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. and and advertisers be you know can go beep themselves, you know. So it's it is a um, well, it wasn't that long ago, Todd, when the advertisers didn't really care about that stuff. So and, if you think and, about it on the time scale of the medium. Um, a lot of advertisers would have advertised because it was Adam Carolla, well, this, not this, because yeah. You know, this, get a political orientation. This is going to probably get me in trouble, but what it is is an indication of you have a. I got to be careful. Um, you have people in the workplace today that have no thick skin. Right. No, I think that's reasonable. Regardless of age. Yeah. And. There's a lot of very, very sensitive people nowadays. You, you, you look at, you know, go, let's go back to my sponsor, GoDaddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, I weathered a few storms before, that's, before things that's got... That's a good to, example. Right. You, know, yeah. you know, here I am advertising GoDaddy, and then the, you know, the founder of the company goes out and shoots an elephant. 
<laughs> you know, and publicizes it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, what had well, you and done? Todd, you're not even, I mean, that's just one salvo that's one, on the storyline. That's one. Yeah. And then, and I mean, then, you know, yeah. then obviously there was the, you know, and it was a different time and GoDaddy has completely changed and they are right. now about, you know, making sure they empower women. But you think about Danica and the ads and the, not Danica, but the you know the ads that GoDaddy had was you know um you know quite provocative you know if someone goes back and does looks for some of those GoDaddy ads in a five six seven range they were they were pandering to men in a big 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 way and maybe even pandering was the wrong word there it was so (laughs) just appealing to them oh yeah you know and you know, and if if they were running any of those types of ads today, they'd be canceled in uh, like sixty seconds. Um, yeah, well, that's why so. they changed their, their marketing strategy, <laughs> right? Like right. And I seven and, years and ago. believe me, I I thanked them when they did. Yeah, because <laughs> you know? they were feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, because right? I was like, you know, I send messages. Come on, come on, come on! You're, you're killing me here. You you're hurting my sales yeah. sales numbers. You know. And I didn't, yeah. you know, and here's another thing. I didn't ever, um, I was some, at some points, there was times when I had been there, I didn't make excuses for them. Let's just say that. I didn't make excuses in the show or in the advertising about this behavior, you know? And um, so I tried to stay true to my moral values at the same time and saying, Hey, I, I, I do not agree <laughs> with what they're doing here. I still love the product, but I don't agree with what they do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and thank goodness they, you know, they change course. So yeah. largely after, you know, the founder left. Yeah. Well, he was the one that was kind of, kind of leading the, the strategy I would imagine. Right. Back then. You know, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and you think about uh, brand safety, you know, it was more about podcast safety, <laughs> you know, because right. for me, it was like, you know, I had some audience members get uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I think that was just prior to the Me Too movement, really, which right, was really right, about, right. you know, female rights. And, yeah, yeah. And respect and, you know, treating women. Um in a positive light in the professional workplace. And that became not a uh, cool thing to do. There was lots of men that were, you know, thrown under the bus, <laughs> put to you that way, um, back in that era. And it makes sense that they made that change. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but going back, but to I ask. do think that that, that Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew really speaks to, the early days of media too, and kind of how we saw things. And I know, you know, things change and, and the media landscape is changing and, and we're, we're adapting, but nonetheless, I I think it's helpful for a lot of people to really understand what the roots of this medium is. But I think that there is this increasing understanding is that we're moving into a new era with this medium and it is changing. And I guess that was a big thing that Mark Asquith and I talked about too. And then also, you know, I had Tom Webster on prior to that. 
Oh, you and guys got was, some. You guys got some grief uh, in the chat channels because they were like, "Todd's not there to defend." <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Tom felt like the induction committee needed to be much broader in its scope um, than how it was structured. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Todd. Do you think that it needs to be expanded beyond just the inductees? No. Okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to get a pulse of what what people out there think, and I think that there's a there's a little bit of an ideological reason for this as well that there's an interest in that. Um, so, but I'm you know I'm just trying to do the right thing for the medium, and I I kind of know how others in the podcast Hall of Fame feel about this same topic because as soon as um, you bring in non podcasters. Well, it's not that it's non-podcasters. Well, I think what yeah. his point was is just bringing in people that are not necessarily the inductee um, class, right? Oh, I, I, think, I, I think I think what you end up having then is it turns political. Yeah, I think that that there is a definite danger of that. You know, um, I've seen that happen before, so I'm. I'm very experienced in that type of stuff. <laughs> I, I think in the end, if you oh. can, if, if, if the classes continue to be diverse and representative yeah. of the space, um, AKA, even though it may be some of them are a different era. Um, oh, I think, definitely. I think it's important that, uh, um, those, those folks that, Basically, were the the foot soldiers that were breaking ground. Yeah, they built the medium. Right, they built the medium. Um, in all cases, need to be honored. Yeah, and I mean, we can't just skip over people because no. of a, a a change in kind of political ideology. No, no, um, no, and and somehow make make those people less relevant. No. to the history of podcasting, which is the whole point of the hall of fame. Right? Yeah. It's the, it's, do we hold on? And this gets back to what I was saying earlier. Do we hold on to what the meaning of the hall of fame is all about? Or do we abandon it because of pressure no. around ideology? And, and, and who's complaining? I haven't seen, and maybe you've seen it, but if, you know, people are complaining. Well, about, Tom, Tom oh. has been the most vocal about it because he came on the show and told us his, his, his views on it. He, though he wasn't very specific about it, he just mm. generally made this comment that it needs to be broader than just the inductees. And I did, I mean, to be fair, I did go look at like the rock and roll hall of fame and the, and the baseball hall of fame and all those and how they've set those up. Um, but those have been pushed increasingly towards more of a, more of a, accepted political infrastructure, right, which is not right, unlike what right. is happened with the Academy Awards and other, other types of, well, the Academy Awards is payola, you know, well, and it's also, it's also not, not a historical thing. It's it, it, the example that I like to give is that this is like trying to open up the ideology to, to only nominate people for lifetime achievement awards. Mm. Right. Um, and it's it that's kind of what the Hall of Fame is. It it's not different. It's different than an award ceremony like the Ambies or the Academy Awards, which is more like 
giving awards to content and people that were from like the, just the last year. Right. And who had an impact. This is going back 10 to 15 years. And that may be a different kind of demographic group of people that we've just been slow to get into the hall of fame because of the five years that we've missed. Yeah. The backlog. Right. The 50 people are so other part too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and as you, as not, as you and I had talked about, you know, I'm, I'm fully, um, I'm fully behind doing a catch up mid year if possible. But again, and you know, in person event once a year, virtual on the mids and do that for a couple of years in conjunction with the Podfest team to make sure that we, so that we get caught up and get these, these people that are well-deserving because there's a massive list. Mm-hmm. Of, of folks that should be, you know, you just can't say, okay, here's the 60 that we're behind and let's induct them all at once because you lessen the value of their time in the spotlight to tell their story. Um, you know, we're, we had an unfortunate circumstance here with missing some years. And yep. um, so it's going to take a little while to, to crawl through that. Yeah, and Tom did acknowledge. Tom Tom Webster did acknowledge that he he's looked back at the past inductees and and agrees with all the selections that we've made. It's not like well, well, he said probably there's a couple of exceptions that he can think of about who got inducted and who should have been and who shouldn't have been that right, kind of thing. Right, but right. generally across the board, it was a it's a very good group of people that have been inducted into it so far, and I. You know, as you look to the future, the more people, just like you say, Todd, the more people we can get in the fastest, the more we're going to uh, be able to induct people that are seeing more, you know, increasingly more modern folks from the podcast but, experience but I think less this, of, I, a, of a historical perspective because we will have gotten those folks in there. But I think at the same point, there needs to be a, the component, and I don't know if this was this was not followed at some point in the early days. They said, "Okay, from this year, you had to be a podcaster in this year group and this range." Well, and well, the first couple of years, it was a minimum of ten years. Ten years, yeah. And then, and then, Dad, Dan, and Jared changed the criteria to five years, yeah. and that's not even a hard and fast. Yeah. And again, if you think of all the people five years plus, man, there's, there's a stack. There's a stack of great podcasters. It's hundreds. Yeah. And their own genres and they've done their own thing in their own rights and different groups and classes and, you know, everything. Yeah. And I've had even people reach out to me and ask for, well, you know, why why aren't there any sports podcasters in there? Right. You know, that that kind of stuff. But my pushback to that is we've never thought about a hall of fame as being, being driven by genre of content. Right. It's never been the, the objective here. That's what the contribution impact and maybe some level of popularity. And that's what the podcast awards does that I do is it's a category based recognition system. That is and done. you do like a, you know, like more of a broad award yeah. too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we have 30, you know, we have like five categories that are broad and then 25 that are narrow. Mm-hmm. So, 
by the way, the registration is open for the Podcast Awards. Oh, it is? <laughs> a little okay. plug here, podcastawards.com. <laughs> yeah. And that's that awards ceremony is coming up again in September? Uh, uh, International Podcast Day, yeah. In September of next year. September right? 30th of this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This year. Yeah. Right, right, correct. So, so yeah, I, yeah. So it was definitely this whole Hall of Fame, you know, opens up a kind of like a fairly large can of worms um, that need to be sorted out and decided in the industry of what what we want. Um, and the inductees um, want to have a say, but I do have to say that only about two-thirds of the inductees actually participated in voting this past year. Um, so I would like to get more participation of the inductees, even in the selection process. Right. Um, so this is a little bit of a call out to anybody, if they are listening to this, that are part of the Podcast Hall of Fame to participate in the voting because we want to have your vote on who we need to induct going forward. And folks that are not participating in that process um, are, are really not helping um, us keep the process that we have. Right. So. And, you know, maybe there needs to be some criteria too. I don't know. Again, it's, it's, if you try to stay pure and keep it, um, because as soon as you start applying rules, then that automatically causes exclusion. (laughs) Right. Right. That's definitely a a path that there could be pressure around. There's no question. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I've seen other Hall of Fames do is to like bring in, let's say, a few people that would be considered to be kind of like historians or or folks that were journalists in the podcasting space. Now, granted, that's you know that, but at the same, I don't know what the viability of that is. Yeah. Not, I don't know if we have any legitimate historians in the podcasting space. But again. Um... We have to remember that most other award systems are monetary based. If you look at the Academy of Awards, you, you know, hundred like minimum, yeah, but not not Hall of Fames though. Yeah, right? um, again, I'll have. Do you to have to pay to be considered in the in like baseball Hall of Fame? Uh, that no, or, I don't think so. But you know, if, if you want to be so. get an Academy Award, you know, you have to pay your entrance fee. Um, so I mean, it's an interesting point though. I mean, it shouldn't change the selection process, but I, I don't, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure that the, a pay for play model really has the same legitimacy. No, I don't think so. Yeah. People complain well, enough that podcast in my podcast where it's people have to register to participate. But it, if, right. if here's the thing, we don't survive if we don't have that, you know. And and obviously, what we really need for the Hall of Fame is more backing, you know, more corporate backing, more yeah, more sponsorship. More sponsorship. And that, that's that's clearly on the docket to do yeah. in the in the coming years. It's not going to be as much of a Lipson event going forward. It's going to be more open to the whole podcast space and to try and get more broad based support for it. Uh, 
Uh, Lipson has done a good job of kind of getting it off the ground and getting it moving, but I don't see that as a long-term approach. Um, so I think, you know, we just need to come up with a budget number and, and we need to get that budget number early and, yeah. and, you know, then go after the money. And if it's, if it's 20 or 25,000 or whatever the number is, uh, yeah. we need to, we need to make that happen quickly. And I, and I had yeah. made a comment to Chris, um, you don't necessarily need a Dr. Drew level, um, uh, MC. Master of Solomon. Yeah. yeah. Master Solomon. Um, yeah. you know, you, you, you probably could save a little money there by, you know, going middle of the road or do you even need an MC and may, or maybe you find a comedian or, you know, someone that's, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But. Well, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Um, that's kind of what podcast movement did too, is they, they brought in a podcaster comedian is what yeah. the model was. And even the Ambies do that too. Yep. Um, so they usually try and get a comedian slash podcaster. That's kind of the, the, the model. Because it's not. Dr. Drew is a little bit of a different, um, yeah. different not, character. Not, a, not cheap scale. to bring in a Dr. Drew. You know, so um No, so. it's it's never cheap to bring any of these folks. Right. Um, right. So you so you need to have I mean, even even a comedian you probably have to pay for their travel right, and right, that right. kind of stuff. Of course. So yeah. It's it's um they're showing up to, you know, bring some attention and things like that. And I think it was I think Drew since I was kinda like his host at the event, uh I think Dr. Drew had a had a terrific time at Podcast Movement, as you could see from his comments that yeah. I played. Um, I think he had had a good good time at the event. He spent some time with some pro level podcasters in a kind of like a separate kind of you know. Yeah, Chris has a like a pro track. Yep, yep, yep. That has like maybe a couple of dozen big podcasters yep. in it, yep. and so Drew went in that room and spent some time with with that group and answered a lot of questions and, and things like that. So I think he was really impressed and he actually hung out with a lot of people after hours too. So you could kind of see him around. Yeah. Um, so, so he really kind of fit in there to some degree and he's, he's been a presenter at the hall of fame. Yeah. I mean, the last one back in 2022, he inducted Emily Morse into the hall of fame. Um, so he's done this before and that's why I thought of him was because that yeah. connection with yeah. Adam and, and Dr. Drew, uh, was a perfect combo. And at the time we, we were hoping that we could get Adam out there mm. as well, but he had already pre-booked himself on a comedy gig in Colorado. So it, that didn't wind up working out, but you could see the, the tension between, but I think both those guys were joking with each other. Yeah. More yeah. Than yeah. It was serious. I mean, bo both those guys have been working together for decades. Um, you so know, and you know, and I understand they have their shtick, just yeah. like you and I have our shtick. That's right. <laughs> you know, and I understand completely the the cost. You know, the cost is the cost. You know, I just got yeah. my I just got my trophy bill. You know, my, my trophy bill was twenty one grand. So wow, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. And you know, it's uh, you know that that those are real mm -hmm. dollars. And you know, yeah, and we have nice, <laughs> nice trophies with the Hall of Fame too. I got yeah. one on the shelf right, right, right behind me up yeah. here. So. And those, those trophies, yeah. I know how much they cost. Um, 
you know, that alone. A couple hundred dollars each. A right? $360, $370 is what that trophy cost um, yep. to produce. And it's heavy. So let's say four hundred a piece. So you're, you know, just in trophy cost, you're at thirty two hundred, um, which is yeah. you know not not that big of a deal dollar wise, but it's still a number. It goes in the stack of everything else, you know. Yeah, right. So that's true. You know, and I and I I do understand the why Chris charged for tickets. I think that was probably smart on his part to recoup some money um, as well. Mm-hmm. And it was a nice, intimate crowd. Um, there wasn't 500 people there. There didn't need to be 500 people there. Because what is the award? The awards was more produced for the YouTube video and the audience later that would get to view it. So, um, so you know, you could Yeah, have, and we didn't have a budget to actually pay the production team in there to actually produce the, the video. Um, there wasn't enough money to pay right. them. So they were... They were the AV crew for PodFest, and they did the best they could, and and with the resources that they had, and and right. thank goodness they they were able to pull it together and come out with a finished, more complete um, yeah. video. And they color bands the run they of co- show that I I, I created. It's it, it's mostly what what the run of show was that I I, I created for the event. They 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 got the color balancing right on the video too. So you can see they color mm-hmm. corrected because um or maybe yep. what was on the screen was just not good. Maybe what they what was recorded was was fine. Right. Well I mean you can do a lot in post production. Yeah, That's what's been discussed a lot is you know, let's not do it live. Let's just make sure we get a good recording and then put it out afterwards. Um, yeah can do that too. It's probably a safer way to go. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. Getting that master recording is key, you know? Yeah. Well, well, because they were really struggling with the bandwidth in the facility too. Um, that was another big challenge with it. There was multiple things that they were struggling with. And I think, you know, the podcast movement folks have did a terrific job with it. Oh Um, yeah. Podcast movement. But yeah, now it's, yeah, with podcast. So, it's a different different production team and process and stuff. And yeah, they just hadn't done an event before where the podcast movement folks do do all the productions, like say for the Ambies, which I worked with them a lot with the Ambies too. So you know, and, do a and, fantastic and, and them simply using a product like Streamyard probably could have improved the this the, yeah. the live stream output, which you know you and I joked about after the event. Yeah, but if they can't good get good bandwidth, right. they probably wouldn't have made a no. Wouldn't have made it. Anyway. Wouldn't have made a chance. So, yeah. So as long as they got it recorded, so so anyway, I, you know, I'm I'm hoping to get you more involved in the group as well for the Hall of Fame. Here's we look. You know, I've got calls set up with a bunch of people that are were involved in it and trying to brainstorm for what the future looks like. So. Yeah, should should be fun. Hey, one thing I did notice was uh, Refonic. They did okay. some matching, and I dug into that a little bit, and I thought, oh, so they did some. They went looking for podcasts that actually had the equivalent YouTube channel, and they came up with a, oh, but they came up with a pretty good list. Although there's a lot of duplication from country to country, they did two hundred. 
And I was looking across eight, nine, ten countries, and it was basically almost the same two hundred shows, except for Japan and a few other places. Okay, um, that actually that are like doing doing audio podcasts as well as yeah, video? yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that well, doing audio podcasts and then have a YouTube channel. So, oh, um, okay. so it was an interesting matchup of data. So mm-hmm. I, I found that to be pretty pretty curious because you know I've done this myself as you know basically went through and looked and then did my own. I went the other way. I went from Apple podcasts to YouTube to try to find the YouTube mm-hmm. channels of, you know, top 200 Apple podcasts, podcasters. Right. And, you know, that, that did not come up with a large number of folks. So that does show me that there are YouTube channels out there that are doing well, that are not making uh, great headway in audio podcast. The audio side. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, I can see that happening. So, yeah. but yeah, you know. I guess, you know, like what, uh, you know, Mark Askwith talked about on the show last week is that, you know, it's not so much where we are now um, or where we've been in the past is, that, well, where's the medium heading towards? And it, it does feel like that there's a lot more people thinking about video now than in the past. Well, so. again, uh, video is hard, so we'll, we'll see where it that is. leads. Hey, I do have to see here. Do I have one? Do I have, the, let me look here. Let me do this. Hang on. Oh, oh I didn't. Uh, I got to turn this up. Let's see here if I can do this. This is all wrong. James Cridland. So did you hear that, Rob? <laughs> Um, I did. <laughs> so we, I see this ad on Pod News. IEB compliant downloads for pennies. Promote your podcast trailer on the trailergram.co publisher network. Reach your ideal listener and receive IEB compliant podcast downloads for pennies. Start your first campaign at trailergram.co. Hmm. Hmm. What day did that come out? Oh, that's been running on in the classified for a few days. Oh, it has. Yeah, and I, I, I just I kind of saw that, and I was like, well, actually, what date was it that it ran? It ran on February 13th. I saw that, okay. and I thought, huh. IB compliant downloads for pennies. <laughs> um, it's just kind of an oxymoron a little bit. Yeah, promote your podcast. Oh, it says see. Promote, promote your, your podcast, podcast trailer. Trailer, trailer gram. Right. Yeah, so Publisher it's a, network. So you're getting, why would you be, okay, first of all, why are you worried about IAB downloads on a trailer? Why even mention it? Because don't you want, wouldn't you say, wouldn't your ad be promote your podcast on Trailergram instead of this clickbait IB compliant downloads for pennies? Because I don't care what how many views my trailer gets um, or listens, and why would I care about counting the downloads for my trailers? And maybe what it is what? is maybe they're doing trailers of episodes. Well, I- they're doing, I believe what they're doing is they have like a teaser trailer 
uh, that then will offer a link to the full episode. Yeah. So that may be, they mm-hmm. may be combining this together is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, Let me see how it works. We advertise your podcast trailer next to relevant content on reputable publishers and the network consistent of over 10,000 trusted publishers. Yahoo, CNN, ESPN. So they basically put you in a box. Trailer plays. Ani says, listen to your podcast trailer and prompted to opt in on their phones to receive push notifications from you about future episodes. So in other words, future full episodes, right? Yeah. Episodes, listen, episode listens, take place after trailer, after listening to your podcast trailer and opting in to hear from you, the audience is driven to our built in player so they can listen to multiple podcast episodes. So basically you quit paying them. No longer will you be able to, you have to convert that audience to Apple podcasts or Spotify listeners, but it, it is a little, it's, it's just interesting to me. It, it, the, the wording is what tripped me up. The wording on buying IEB and it, you know, what it looked like is we will get you IEB compliant downloads for pennies. Um, that's what yeah. kind of made me go, hmm, I, I have no problem with the service and what they're doing, but why say IEB compliant downloads? Because they are trying to deliver people to full episodes. Uh, but that's like a couple steps down there. Yeah. Their chain. Right. So it, to me, it just um, was a little odd. It's just a way to appeal to people's interest in trying to drive their IAB <laughs> download number. Yeah. And it's, right. and guys like me see that and they're like, oh, what, what are we doing here? You know? But but if the trailer is longer than one minute, it still gets counted. Yeah. As an IAB yeah. download. <laughs> but... But I'm not sure that it really does because I do believe, and I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I do believe that they actually host. Yeah, so probably it's on not. On their own platform. So, you know. It's not coming off your feed. Yeah, so, you know, the end goal is, yep, you're, you're driving IEB compliant downloads by getting them to listen to the full version of the audio file in their player. So, but you, right. quit, you quit paying TrailerGram and that, 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 to that player platform and notifications disappear. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. This page where it says month uh, monitor your monthly campaign and it has five hundred and seventy one thousand impressions, uh, fifty thousand trailer plays, and seventy one hundred push notifications. Is it you or is it me or do you get kind of? that those numbers don't really. No, it would make sense. Well. If you have 50,000 trailer plays, it then does. if they've converted to listeners, then the impressions would be higher. But is he, okay. This is where my issue with the term impressions comes into play. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. What constitutes an impression? Uh, I'm sure it's an is, impression play. It's a download. I'm sure all three of those are the same. They're using the word impression in the word of play or download. Okay, so they're using that that word impressions mm-hmm. to to be equivalent or the same thing as a 
download. Well, they say you will be able to see trailer plays and, oh, add impressions. Oh, so impressions is the add impressions. Add impressions. Yeah. So if your episode has, let's say it has six ads in it. Oh, no, no, no. What that right? is is the impression. Then that adds, the, yeah, because it's not, in there, and it doesn't say add impressions. It says Oh, it does say see trailer plays, add impressions, and how many people opted in for push notifications. So the impressions is the actual number of impressions your ad got. On their platform and their distribution right. partners, so Actually, it is a, visually saw right, that right, right. So it is a true impression then. So it is a correct definition, right, right. So it's a visual impression of yeah. the ad, yeah. And then the trailer plays is where they actually click to play the trailer, and then the the last number is a seventy one forty six is push notifications to subscribers. Those that are the ones that came out of the plays that went to subscribe, right. right. Okay, yeah. That's a so I see that's that a pretty big delta, but yeah, I see that James and Daniel have put together a new podcasting two point information site, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I saw that. What's I, the path I, on that? Um, Is it podcast two point dot org or something? Uh, like let that? me let me find the. It's podcasting two point org. Podcasting two point org. And um, two. yeah, podcasting the number two dot org dot org. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I guess the thing that um, I didn't know there was complaints about it being too hard. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why when we put our documentation together, at Blueberry, we we talked about features, and you know, kept the gobbly gloop out, but. Um, they've got one for audiences and finding a better app and it lists all the apps that are podcasting 2.0 supported, which this is nice because it just has the apps only. Um, yeah. and, um, I feel like if you click, click the find a better app and then click on the blue headset, which is Podverse. And it, yeah, click on that. And then what happens is it shows you what that app supports. All the all the features all of the, the tags. All the right. yeah. And again, I think from a listener standpoint, they're gonna be like, What 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 does that mean? So I think that's where there could be added confusion. So if we back out of that and then go to yeah, back up a page. And click on for podcasters. And then it talks about upgrading to the namespace. And again, yeah. Um, I wonder where they talk. Let me back up and look at this. Yeah, they don't, here they should have talked about the podcast hosting platforms that are supporting this, but they did not. Um. Hmm. Add your podcast, new podcast namespace. Encourage your Could audience. Could that be on a different area? Let's see. Yes, yeah, so I'm just looking Add. at. So if you're trying to educate podcasters, then how, you know, add your podcast to the index. Check. Yeah, they which, probably oh, do need to list the, uh, the hosting platforms and 
Yeah, who supports what? Yeah, they say check, and I'm sure they're going to. This is a work in progress, but it says check with your podcast feed publishing tool for support of the. Yeah, you might even want to search switch providers. So, to me, I'm like, okay, let's. Well, okay. what they okay? What, here's a link here, Todd. It says check which features your hosting provider oh. or publisher tools support. Oh, that was on the if main I go page. Into that, okay. Yeah, that's a different page. Yeah. So it lists Blueberry, Pod Home, RSS Blue, Captivate, um, Castopod, Dictopia, Transistor, Buzzsprout, and Fireside. It, it looks to me like they've got them ranked by implementations, which is which I appreciate. They do have Libsyn in yeah, there. Yeah, click on it and see what it says for Libsyn. I bet it says tr transcript. Uh, no, it says locked. That's the only feature that they support is locked. Locked. And yeah. then Spreaker. Oh, they don't. It's Oh, it must be F. Transcript. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go and back Simplecast. up. Yeah. Let's see what Simplecast is. Um, uh, the text tag. Text which is the one transcripts. is the one that Apple supports for alternate uh, alternate verification. Um, go to the top right. of the list, then let's look at some of those at the top. I look at Buzzsprout. Uh, transcript. transcript locked funding chapters soundbite, Podping, and person. Yeah. So then, if we look at the. I bet you if you click on pod, uh, let's just go back to Buzzsprout and click one of those. And click on the transcript tag and see where it takes you. I bet it takes you to the page that describes transcript. Oh Yeah, yeah it talks about the actual... But you know, here's my challenge on this. This is the technical... Oh, they do a cross... Uh, oh, that's this interesting. The apps that support... And the, the and the, and the tools here. and hosting providers. So uh, they've done a good job on this. So it looks like uh, red circles in here. Yeah, too. yeah. They've got a few few of these. So captivate. Yep. Yeah. Oh, then it, if you yeah, see so how it's interlinked, and you can look at who has what. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it's it, nice. It's starting to get. I think Todd, it's starting to get traction. There, there's. It's clearly that, you know, just the fact that this site lists so many of the big hosts. Yep, is a sign to me that that you know it's making progress. It's been slow. Yeah. I think um, we, we can all agree that it didn't happen as fast. But you well, know, we we knew this. We're we're still on a two not year. much as happens fast in this medium. Yeah, so. we're on it. You know, it's a, it's the education process. It's like my presentation at Podfest. You know. Yeah. Um, I think that's missing some of the uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eleven, thirteen, sixteen, nineteen. Yeah, there's a few there that are. So what's medium, what's medium? is medium is allows you to be able to set whether it's a podcast, music, video, film, audiobook, newsletter. Oh. Set the type. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So okay. Anyway, so, you know, this is something people can check out, podcasting2.org.
and mm-hmm. uh, get educated on. Is there the mission of podcasting 2.0 and the podcast index is to preserve, protect, extend the open and independent podcasting ecosystem. We do this by providing podcasters with new features for their shows, equipping developers with new tools for their apps and services, and most importantly, improving the podcast experience for audiences. So, So, you know, they've done a nice job on this site with the all interoperability links. So they've done good. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. But I didn't know there had been complaints it was too complex. But maybe James hears that on his side, you know, but... I don't know. Well, I think for listeners it's too complex, but I don't think it's too complex for... uh, I I do appreciate they did link to our Podcasting 2.0 resource page at Blueberry, so that was nice of them to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's complex topic for any of the the hosts. You know, yeah, I, I just worry there. about when we start showing technical XML. Yeah, my only feedback right. is, and I know Daniel's trying to get screenshots. Uh, I saw him request stuff, so I'm sure there's going to be more added to the site to actually show the feature in progress. You know, the actual what it looks like on the app. Yeah, I think we do need to have like maybe kind of videos or visuals yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I know that Dave Dave Jones has, did a presentation on this that has a slide deck. Yeah, um, but it's it's ever-evolving. It's just like my slide deck I did for PodFest, and I had a pretty good crowd. Um, right. And sadly, there was a camera that was stolen at PodFest, so my session of uh-huh. all sessions did not get recorded. Um, because your session was in the camera that got stolen? No, they took, apparently they took my, I had a camera in my room and they came in and said, sorry, we need to move this to another room. So I guess someone had more priority for a recording oh, as than, far as than my session. having a camera. In yeah, room. yeah okay. than my session did. So um, I think someone recorded it, but I haven't uh, been able to get a hold of the recording yet. Well, mm-hmm. it, it looks like we've almost made it here to the end. Yeah, we did, Todd. Did you have a surprisingly enough? Did you have a good Valentine's Day? Yeah, it's been pretty slow. We've got about nine inches of snow on the ground here. So well, a live podcast media during the initial part of the show said, Happy Valentine's Day, Rob and Todd. Is it romantic yeah. is it a romantic show today? Want to see both of you say I love you to each other. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Don't know if well, we'll, don't know if we'll go that far. <laughs> bro passion here. Bro right, passion, Todd? Is right? That what yeah. this is? Bro, bro, bro fist pump. I am wearing an appropriate right. colored shirt today, so I'm wearing kind of a a pinky so shirt go, almost. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Well, happy thanks. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. So <laughs> hope you had a good one. <laughs> And yep, uh, hope do. you didn't spend too much on dinner and all the other things that go along with Valentine's Day, flowers right, and all that right. stuff. <laughs> so am I going to have you back uh, next Wednesday, yep, Todd? Yep, or? yep, yep. Okay. Same, same time, same channel. What's the what's the date on next Wednesday? Let me take a look at that. That would be the, the 21st, yeah. Yeah, 21st. Okay. Yeah, we should we should be able to do that. Yep, yep, I'm, I'm good. I'm good through the... Straight through, so. Okay. All right. Same time, 
Same yeah. channel of yeah. sorts? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Todd. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. And uh, I do have an audio recording of this, Rob. So, And I did get the video finally... That second link you sent me worked better. For some reason, I couldn't get that. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's a big, it's a big video file. For yeah, some well, you I'm just need sure to change the so encoding big. down a little bit. You know, <laughs> it doesn't need to be yeah. five gigs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, what what should it be? What's the playback? I just, I just, I just changed the uh, uh, the encoding rate per second. I I reduce it down to like one point three or something like that. Oh, okay, yeah, because I think it's currently set at sixteen megabytes. Per, yeah, so if you if you slower speed. that K up, uh, you don't lose too much quality, but because you know, like, we're static like in here. half or something like that. Yeah, like, at least yeah. Okay, so, I reencoded right. it anyway and uploaded it, so you, you can take a look okay. on the website. Oh, yeah. Okay, you did. All right. Okay, well, I'll do the same thing with this. So, oh, all right, everybody, thanks for uh, for for tuning in. Yeah. All right, Todd. We'll see you later. See you later. Thanks, everybody, for, for joining us. And I can be reached on Twitter, at Rob Greenlee. And um, I do a live show on Thursday nights at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern called uh, Podcast Tips with Rob Greenlee. Um, so tune into that. It's on the StreamYard channels. So I appreciate everybody. And if you want to send me an email, you can send it to robgreenlee at gmail.com. Todd? Oh, I almost forgot. Geeknews at gmail.com or at geeknews on X or at geeknews at geeknews.chat on Mastodon. Yep. All right. All right, everybody. We'll see you Thank next you time. so much. We're, we're going to end the stream now. So All right. thanks now. See you, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye.